this Lent journey. I don't know if um, anyone here grew up doing Lent season, going into Easter. Did anyone do that as a child? Yeah, a few of you. But, you know, early in our um, role as pastors here, we kind of felt that we wanted to reorientate our church every time leading into Easter around the power that is Easter. And we asked ourselves the question, you know, why do we honour the tradition of Lent and its meaning? And I just want to say a couple of things before I dive into week two of our Lent study. But, you know, personally... For Lent, I want to honour Jesus. I want to honour his death and his life in a way that affects me and corrects me. And it's good every year to put aside some time to dig deep into the word of God, to put aside those things that are dear to your flesh, whatever that may be, so that you can concentrate on the things of God. My dear friend, Alicia Britsholi, and she's been here before. We love her. She said this about Lent. I find value in knowing that traditions like Lent connect me with believers around the globe and through the centuries. She also said it is very good to remember that my generation did not start Christianity, which means that we are not the generation that's going to stop Christianity, and that centuries of faithful men and women who looked and spoke and act differently than me laid a foundation that I can stand upon. So welcome to Lent. (laughs) Week one, you know, we talked about the foundation of grace and the problem with sin. And, you know, sin's not a topic that the church kind of like talking about, but actually for us to understand the power of grace, you've got to understand the weight of sin and what Jesus came to deliver us from. And I don't know about you, but I am a grateful girl this morning for the message of hope and grace through Jesus Christ. Is anyone with me today? Amen. Amen. But week two, um, it's kind of like my favourite topic. It's about set your hearts on Jesus. Setting our hearts on Jesus. Today our text, it comes from John 1. And we're at, um, we're going to start in verse 14. Set your hearts on Jesus. It says this, in the living expression became a man and lived among us. And we gazed upon the splendor of his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, overflowing with tender mercy and truth. John taught the truth about him when he announced to the people, he's the one, set your hearts on him. I told you that he would come after me even though he ranks far above me. He existed before I was born and now out of his fullness, we are fulfilled. And from him, we receive grace heaped upon more grace. Moses gave us the law, but Jesus, the anointed one, listen to this, unveils truth wrapped in tender mercy. He unveils truth wrapped in in tender mercy. He doesn't ignore facts. He doesn't ignore what's going on, but all of it is wrapped in what? Tender 
mercy. It's who Jesus is. So the first point I want to make, just three simple points this morning from John 1. It says here, set your hearts on him. He is the one. He is the one. Israel had been waiting. And not just our idea of waiting, not waiting in the car for your McDonald's to come through the order, but waiting for generations, waiting for the promised Messiah. Everyone had lived with hope, but under law for so long. And and in the book of John, it says, Jesus, the anointed one, the one who came to seek And save, seek and save all of us. His arrival unveiled truth wrapped in mercy. In the New King James, it says, grace and truth came through Jesus. When Jesus finally comes, you know, he comes to earth in a way that no one expected. He didn't come in a castle with a fireworks display. He was born into humble circumstances. The Gospel of John tells us he wasn't even recognised within much of his own community. In John 1.11 it says he came to his own but his own didn't receive him. But John, the one whom the Bible says was sent to bear witness to the light of God, the holy light who gives light to every man. Do you know he lived with this expectation that he would encounter the Messiah. And I love this. As soon as he saw Jesus, he knew that this was the one that he'd been waiting for. Do you know, when I was thinking about that and reading over the book of John and just reading these first couple of chapters again and diving in, and I was thinking about how when we are presented with this gospel, there is so much anticipation of the life of Christ. So much anticipation. And I thought about my own life. God, do I live with this sense of anticipation that whatever is going on, whether you are missing toilet rolls on earth or like today, I so wanted to give you all the toilet roll as you left. I so wanted to. Mark's like, you've left it a bit late. I'm like, okay. But whatever's going on, it might be far more serious than stuff like that. It might be far more serious. But I'm like, God, do I get caught in the waves of the world? Do I get caught in the fears? Do I get caught in this um, intermediate transactions that we can make in life? Or do I get caught in expectation of you at every juncture? Am I getting caught in you? Is my hope and anticipation in you? My constant motivation and challenge from Psalm 27.4 is this, and I'll read it from the NIV. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. To gaze takes time. It's not a quick fix to quickly glimpse on the beauty of the Lord and quickly have a quick moment. It's like, no, 
to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him. See, the gift of Lent, I just think it's so important, is to set our everyday life, our hearts, with Jesus as the centrepiece, that we take the time to discipline our flesh and gaze because life itself can be a distraction. This week, I mean, the airwaves are filled with fear and we are praying against that virus and we are praying over our nation. But we can get caught in, in the news. We can get caught in finding ourselves slightly adrift when it comes to the immediacy of being in step with the Holy Spirit. And our, our whole heart for you, hope you see, our whole heart in this Lenten journey is that you would refocus that you would quieten anything that is louder than the name of Jesus in your life. Anything that's trying to drag your attention away from the goodness of God and the Word of God and the faithfulness of God. Do you know, Jesus, He, he doesn't dismiss the truth of our human condition. He's, he's, he's not glancing away too hard. He will never do that. He covers us in grace. He sees us in love because love is who he is. It's not just what he does, it's who he is. And if how you gaze upon Christ, how you see Christ is about law and judgment and rules and conditions, then I want to remind you today that Jesus, the anointed one, the one whom the Bible said, there he is, he's the one. Set your hearts on him. He unveils truth wrapped in tender mercy every time. There are no exceptions. Truth wrapped in tender mercy. The Aramaic word, Aramaic, sorry, when I was looking at um, just going into what the translator, how had the translator come up with tender mercy? And in Aramaic, it, the word is tebutha. My Aramaic's not very good. But it means loving kindness, goodness. The Greek word is charis, which what does that mean? Grace, favour. Sweetness, pleasure, delight. So the translator has combined all of these words and said Jesus Christ is full of everything that our hearts crave. Truth wrapped in tender mercy. Isn't that beautiful? Set your hearts on him. You may be here this morning and your heart feels a little dislocated, disconnected from setting your heart on him. Can I encourage you today just to take that first step? Set your heart on him from wherever you are starting. Set your heart on him. The second thing this morning is that he is the Lamb of God. So set your heart on him. He is the one. And now back in John, it says he is the Lamb of God. 
It says, um, John cried out, look, there he is, God's lamb. He will take away the sins of the world. We wanted to take a moment to look at the lamb of God because we sing about it and we talk about it. But sometimes it's like, what? Like, look, there's a lamb. No, it's not. It's a person. No, it's a lamb. There's the lamb of God. And this is what the Bible tells us. Um, oh, so much in this scripture. There is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So let me just take a moment. In this version in the Passion Translation, it describes this, that even though Jesus becomes the lion of the tribe of Judah in resurrection power, I want to hear a great amen from you this morning. The lion of the tribe of Judah in resurrection power, John actually points to him as the lamb, a willing sacrifice. Our willing sacrifice. In Aramaic, it means this. He will break sin's grip from humanity. No exceptions. Taking away both its guilt and its power from those who believe. Jesus here, well, John is saying, you just believe, just believe. Jesus has done the work. He's come as the lamb, spotless, sinless. Um, Jesus was publicly proven to be without flaw, to be with no blemish, ready to become the sacrifice for all of the world and on trial Before his crucifixion, the Bible actually says there was no blame and no fault in him. So he came as a sinless, spotless lamb. When when we were in Israel, our last meal together was the Passover meal, where every moment, every herb, every way the meal is eaten, displayed, was a moment of an offering of remembrance, remembering that the first Passover, that this marked the Hebrews' release from Egyptian slavery, is so powerful, church, this this sacrificial lamb for us. And so now the death of Jesus, the lamb of God, marks our release from slavery to sin. I'm no longer a slave to, what is it, fear? I'm no longer a slave to disease. I'm no longer a slave to sin because I am a what? Child of God. Say it again. I am a child of God. Come on. We either believe this or we don't. The Lamb of God slain for us. It's so powerful. I want you to remember it today. So if you walk around with shame, as we spoke about last week, and I listened to it on the app, by the way, um, so powerful. If you walk around with shame, that is the enemy trying to defeat you, trying to keep you small, trying to keep you bound because Jesus has already come as the perfect sacrifice for you and for me. Amen. Third thing. The story just keeps getting better. Still in John 1. 
It says, the very next day, John was there again with two of his disciples as Jesus walked right past them. And John gazing, I love it, he ga- still gazing, gazing upon him. It's a bit like my mum. Whichever she sees her children, she just gazes. She's so beautiful. John, gazing upon him, pointed to Jesus and said, look, there's God's lamb. And one of the two disciples who heard John's word and began to follow Jesus was a, name, a man named Andrew. And he went and he found his brother Simon and he told him, we have found the anointed one. Remember, they've been waiting. They've been waiting and waiting. We have found the anointed one. And as soon as John's two disciples heard this, they immediately left John and began to follow a short distance behind Jesus. And then Jesus turned around and saw that they were following him and listened to this and asked, what do you want? What do you want? And they responded, Rabbi, which means master, teacher. See, they knew. Again, living in expectation, they knew. Master, teacher, where are you staying? Jesus answered, come and discover for yourself. He kind of answered his first question with his answer. He's like, what do you want? They're like, "Uh, where are you staying? It's like, okay. But they want to be in his presence. There's a pull toward him. And Jesus says, come and discover for yourself. Come. And it says they spent the rest of the day with Jesus. Jesus asks this disciple, the disciples, what do you want? Or what are you seeking? What are you looking for? What is it that you are searching for? What are you searching for this morning? I just love that Jesus just says, come, follow me. Come and see for yourself. Just come and see for yourself. Jesus did not promise them an answer that all their dreams would come true. He's not the lottery God. Come, follow me and you'll, you'll have all the things you've ever dreamed. He never promises that. He never promises a life of no hardship or persecution. He just says that every time you enter the fire, you will never be alone. He says that every time you feel condemnation, you have full authority to understand that you can step away from that because you are fully redeemed in Jesus' name. He's like, follow me for for eternity. Having a security in your eternity, follow me. See, in this Western world of choices, opinions, everything you can imagine being accessible to us all the time, you know, the power in this thing, for evil or for good, right? The question is still the same one being asked today. It's the same question. The fact is, family, online family, the fact is that he is still the answer, No matter what the question, he is still the answer. You can spend your life trying out all the other things to try and get your answer, to fill your heart, to try and make up for the shame that you walk under 
And Jesus is like, come, just come with me. Gaze on me. Spend time in this. The Bible tells us that the Word was with God and the Word was God. This is God. God speaking. He is the answer no matter what our question. And being in the Word, being close, like the disciples, they're like, can we come to your place? Jesus is like, cool. Come and hang out. Come and spend time with me. When we're in the Word, when we're in His presence, this crafts our being. It helps keep us from getting distracted so that there He is. He's the centrepiece of my world. Not of my Sunday, of my world. That's who He is. And we welcome the Holy Spirit to help us not only hear the question, what do you want, but we answer it in the safety of God's word and power. In Psalm 37, 4, it's a very interesting scripture. It says, trust in the Lord, do good. Dwell in the land, cultivate faithfulness. You're like, okay, good, we can do this. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. But you know, if you're searching just for the desires, I need this, I need that, I need that, without the context of coming first, set your heart, set your heart, set your heart. See, setting your heart gives you a filter that all your desires start to come through. And then you start to live in a different rhythm. And it's like, what just happened? I can't understand. How did we get to buy a building? We're just setting our hearts. We're just setting our hearts. Just set your heart. You're struggling. You're fighting the flesh. You're like, I want to do things my way. We'll talk to Adam and Eve. It never worked out so well. It's a, it's a comeback. It's set your hearts on him. This is why Lent is so powerful in our lives. Commit your way to the Lord. It says trust in him. He will do it. John says that Jesus came bearing the very thing that we needed all along. Team, you can come. Grace and truth. Romans 3.23 says, We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. So it's not about have you or have you not. It's just like there's part of the human condition. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Yet right alongside that, that fact is grace. God's unmerited, unworked for favour and his complete devotion and love for us. John tells us that those who embrace Jesus and take hold of his name, and I think that is a powerful thing to remember this morning. It's not any God. It's just not any God. Let me pick a God. No, the name of Jesus. Those who take hold of his name are given authority to become who they really are, children of the living God, the living God. He is at work right now. He's at work in your life. He's at work in my life. 
He's at work in our nation. How do I know that? Because there's thousands and thousands of people praying every day over our nation. How do I know he's at work in your life? The Bible tells me that even while I sleep and slumber, that God never sleeps and slumbers, that he is at work to watch over his word, to see that it will do all that it was sent to do. That is the God we serve. Come and see. Jesus is just like, come and see. He doesn't answer with a lottery ticket. He's like, he answers with, I invite you into the journey. Come and see and follow me. This morning, I believe that there are people in this place and you want to say yes, maybe for the first time, to opening up your heart and answering when Jesus says, what do you want? And you're like, actually, I'm not quite sure, but I feel this pull. The Bible is saying, just set your heart. And then Jesus answers our own question. Just come and follow me. Come and follow me. Sets us free from our past. Gives us a hope and a sure thing for today and the future. Secure. Even death. The Bible says death has no sting. When you are in Christ, it's still winning because we get to spend eternity in Christ, never separated from the presence and power of God. The fullness of knowing Christ is fullness today and fullness forever in Jesus' name. The Lamb of God, he's already done the work, my love. He's already said, I forgive you. Just come and follow me. So this morning, I want to ask you if there is anybody here and maybe your heart has drifted and maybe this morning is the first time you've ever asked Jesus to come and you want to open your heart up to him. In Romans, it asks us just to believe in your heart, confess with your mouth and I will help you pray a prayer to do that this morning. And then it says you'll be saved. That's it. We're not asking you to join a church. We're asking you to come into alignment and set your heart on him so that he can do the work that before the foundations of the earth he planned for your life. He's got good things. He is a good, good God. And even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you know what? You don't need to fear because God is with you always. So if I can ask, beautiful family, for you to just bow your head for a moment. And if you're a Christian this morning, I want you to pray. I don't want you to switch off. And if you're online this morning and you're a Christian, I want you to pray. But if you've never said yes to Jesus, whether you're sitting here in this room or whether you are listening on the app or you're listening online, if you've never said yes to Jesus, I want to lead you in a prayer this morning. This is, I want to give my life to God. I want to start this journey. I want you to raise your hand right now so I can see who I'm praying for in Jesus' name. Beautiful up in the mezzanine. I see your hand. More importantly, God sees your hand, beautiful one. Today is a defining day for you. That lady in the mezzanine, I, I just see the hand of God on your life this morning. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Who else is there this morning sitting on the floor? And you want to say yes to Jesus. If you're watching online, I want to pray with you this morning. Maybe this is the first time you've ever opened your heart up to God. And this morning is the day that your life's going to change forever. Can we pray this prayer together, please? Dearest Lord Jesus, 
today. I commit my life to You. I open my heart to You. I set my gaze on You. I turn from living life my own way. Thank You for being the Lamb of God for me. And I will serve You forever. In Jesus' Name. Amen and amen. Can we give God praise this morning? Come on, give Him great praise this morning.